Today I have the pleasure once again to talk to Kamaloop Singh um, and this time we're going to be talking about Sivdasamdant once again. However, we're going to be focused on the Sordak Committee and then talking about some of the compositions that were not included in the final edition that they agreed on. Um, so before we obviously go through that, I just want to start with getting to know a little bit more about what is the Sordak Committee and when did this take place? Okay, so that's a good question. And before we bite into the kind of this, the, the, the meat on the bone, so to speak, about this issue, um, there's a couple of other things that we need to look at. One is, firstly, why does a punt need to standardize a non-standard manuscript? That's the first question I would ask. Because if you have a the committee, there's a, a need to mass produce and print and standardize a scripture that is non-standard. So I'm not being critical. I'm just opening. I'm just asking an open question. Like, if you've got a manuscript tradition, why would that bunch or group of people need to move to the printing press when traditionally, just like the Jews who write, you know, the Torah by hand, the Guru Granth Sahib was written by hand, and the Dasam Granth Sahib was written by hand, and Gurbani was written by hand. So that's the first question. So. And obviously, the answer is there is industrialization and mass production. And so then we have to ask the ne- next question Is industrialization of Barney Bart and mass production, is that really a part of Sikh ethics or Sikh tradition and Mariadda? And I would answer it is not in any way, shape, or form. So that I'm highly critical of it. Of, and I'm just making it clear from the beginning so people can look practically that the got gear and and the the printed dasam grand sub is useful uh, and I, I agree with them to a certain degree but you can see the amount of problems that's also created hence why we're having this conversation because it's problematic then the second thing is in guru's mariada and in in gurmat we follow parampara or traditions that have been passed down in the Khalsa Pant. And I'm not sure where committee features in that. So the committee. And that committee is, where is this term from? Is it Sanskrit, Prakrit, Gurmukhi, Punjabi, Lendi, Urdu, Farsi? It's obvious we all know what it is. It's English. Saw the committee, so we have a committee of people, so democratic vote on the orthography or spelling and structure of a scripture based upon a consensus vote of people and a tallying system of manuscripts. Just seems really stupid from the beginning. So that's my view on it, and I, and I hope you understand my position there. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I think the historical context can definitely be questioned. Obviously, as you've also answered, there's a lot of 
reasons behind why those steps were taken. And I think one of the biggest things would probably be the influence of having to justify ourselves as a religion and standardize everything according to a alien Judeo-Christian framework and therefore having to also not just point out um, an origin of time, um, a concept of God, and all these other things that I think we'd probably both agree on are the concepts probably aren't um, indigenous to the way we would say Sikhi is traditionally practiced. Um, but just then digging into it on just its historical um, facts, when did this take place and who were the individuals that were involved? Um, the only reason I ask is because then I would I wanted to try and figure out what, like as you said, I know it's a committee, but what qualifications did they have to be able to decipher what is and what shouldn't be in a standardized recension? A uh, very good question. So, as far as I understand it, the Sordid Committee got together around the end of the, the 19th century, and then they published a report in 1897, uh, which is titled Report Sordid Committee Dasam Pasha Sidi Guru Granth Sabji. And in there, they kind of go through their method of tallying the different sarups that are at their disposal and a little bit about the Gyanis and the people who were involved in this, uh, in this endeavor. And, you know, the information at the same, you know, it's kind of a bit like Punjabi, um, Uology and praise of certain people who are connected to, like, you know, Gyanni Gyan Singh's grandson or something like that, and a few other prominent Sikhs. But most people in this committee are quite obscure. And they haven't told us anything about their education levels or what they really know that would, would qualify them in this seva. And at the same time, does that really matter? Because we've just, you know, I've made it really blunt and really quick for people to understand that it's a really stupid thing to do. And people are going to criticize me and saying, who is he? What does he know? But let's look at something basic that we learn at school. If you look at the periodic table, and I can't remember it for Adam, I can't remember it much now, but I know there's certain elements that are in certain columns that have properties that are not like the other elements in that column, but they have the right atomic number. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. 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 Now, if we look at that, if we apply that law of nature there, that there's anomalies to manuscripts that are not standard to Barnia, that are extra, you don't throw out an element out of the periodic table just because it doesn't fit the properties of that column. In fact, you should know that it breaks the law of that column. And if you get an A grade in science in an A level or a degree level, you'll have to know the exceptions to the rule because that's what they're interested in, that you can remember those. 
especially in, and even like in, in, in medical surgery, they want to want you want to see, can you remember the exceptions? That shows intelligence where there's anomal anomalies in nature. But here you have this idea of standardizing a scripture, which in all kind of uh, in all the different types of manuscripts, they're different versions. So even logically, on, on if you use like this analogy of a periodic table, it doesn't make any sense. And then to have a committee to democratically oversee, so then it's a political activity because it's a committee, a political activity to oversee the tallying of manuscripts of its structure and orthography. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't add up. And then... I think is exactly what you said, and you hit the nail right on the head. It is to legitimize our position as a punt in front of Christianity and the printed Bible and its standardized form. And if you have that, if you if you look at this juxtaposition between the punt and, and and colonialism and what we were facing, you see that. This whole endeavor was quite fruitless because what it did is it created an issue amongst some brother, amongst the Panth about which Bania are legit and not legit, like even like Diti Sawaye becoming 32 Sawaye and other, you know, important bits of Bani being left out. And then people like Bandan Nalansing having to write Dikas with extra Bania. And, you know, Hajul Saab just lately creating another standard version, which isn't like the version made in 1897 and so on and so forth. You see the problem. And what gets left behind is Guru Gobind Singh's Bani. That's what gets left behind. So what's important in, in looking at especially the transmission of manuscripts is there are two kind of terms that are used in academia. Stemma and Lamata. So it's like almost like the family tree of manuscripts and which manuscript follows from which manuscript. That's the only way that you could produce an authentic copy of Dasam Granthsab. And then even in that, you have to choose in the family tree which one you consider to be legitimate. So what happened in the case of Dasam Granthsab is because they used the tallying system, the earlier version, which was copied more, became the predominant version and the version which was copied less, which was written about two years later, was copied much less and became an obscure version, which has extra Barnia. And that's the outcome of the report, regardless of the people involved. And it just shows they had no method and they had no understanding. And uh, quite even quite recently, Baba Daya Singh, uh, Baba Avtar Singh's father, he went to Baba Galwan Singh at Hajul Saab and practically begged him, look, please include Ugradanti, Sukhmanan Saab, the other Baniya, into the new Dasam Grant you're going to print. And obviously, because I have a committee, a tallying process, that was never going to happen. But you see, that that's why we're stuck, because we're using models which we're too young as a, as a group, as a, as, a, as a community, as a punt as this spiritual tradition to be worrying about having a standard text.
So just to clarify one thing that you've mentioned is uh, when you say a tallying system, do you literally mean they counted how many times something appeared in the selection of manuscripts they were looking at and was like and were essentially like this turns up the most so this must be authentic this turns up the least therefore it's not that's all they did and they even write that about certain manuscripts they'll say well there is this one from buddha dal which is really famous and it has got extra bania oh but it's only one and so therefore we must dismiss this oh there is this other bani but you know, we can't really say it's Gurbani because of this difference in language. So they try to use all this kind of like Shastri interpretation, which you find in the Nirmala tradition, where uh, a lot of uh, the Bani art were questioned um, uh, by, you could say, the enemies or the adverse, uh, the adversaries of, of the of the Nahangs. And so any Bani that were particular to the Nahangs from Dasamgram, the enemies of the, of the Nahangs, the, the Nirmali at that time, they wrote against them. So they wrote against Ugradanti. They had their invested interest to, because it talks about Nilabana, they don't, they were Pagvabana, and et cetera, et cetera. So there were political reasons also why this Bani was removed. And, and that group of people or group of Sikhs were very loyal uh, to the Patiala house, the Maharaja, who was a loyal British loyalist. Fair enough. I think that's kind of, in a nutshell, wrapped up just discussing the Sorda Committee and kind of just getting through that um, on its own. Now, rather than focusing on the Barnia that are actually in the standardised composition, which we'll come to probably at a later date, I wanted to discuss some of the Barnia that are not included. So what you've referred to last time we spoke as the Apocrypha Barney. Um So... What I would like to do is with some of these is basically find out a little bit more about their history. So if there's any kind of Sakya or stories related to these in particular compositions, um, kind of their content and what their purpose is. So um, just a few that we had jotted down was the first one was Sansar Sukhmana. And I think you just mentioned it um, just a minute ago as well. So just starting with that one then. Sure, sure. I think... (laughs) If you don't mind, before we go on to that, it's uh, important just to look at their process a little bit. Sure. So, you know, again, like I just, sorry, I'm going to get to exactly your question, but I think it's really important that we go through this a little bit. But what happened? So it was the British appointed uh, Arjun Singh who had the idea of checking the different versions of Dasam Granth about the orthography. And he was the one who said there's mistakes in the spelling. And then they did get some prominent Sikhs like Baba Smir Singh of Patanan Saab and the head Gyanni of Darbar Saab uh, by Lenar Singh uh, involved in this. And so 32 sarups were taken in, in like a procession with, you know, conches blown and the char saabs and everything else and the puja done and prakarma around Dirbar saab. And there was a whole ceremony about this happening. And they used the second floor, the Karl Tak saab, to create this new standard. And um, after they checked the different volumes against each other, um, it was a, they, they started in 1895 
and I think they finished around 1897. And then the surup that they created was 1428 ang or pages, which is symbolically two angs less than Sidi Gurgran Maharaj. And their report is just about 30 pages. I mean, how can you have a 30-page report over something so large and, and voluminous? You, you can't, you know? It was really going to hundreds of pages, really, that they needed to report. And they didn't. And, you know, they the, the first thing is they say, you know, guruship was given to Guru Granth Sahib Maharaj. That's not a question. They said a Ustad and Jab Sahib are to be repeated. And that Bajitha Natak was written to make sure that people just worship Akal. You know, the Durga stories were written to give Viras to people. Gyan Prabodh about kingly rights. Jabi of Dar to uh, talk about Ravan and the Hindu pantheon. But you see here, that's disguising what we discussed in the last podcast, which is, is written for purposes of Viras. Yeah. And again, this is not discussed. In, and so, you know, Brahmavtar, Rudravtar, again, is for Biras. And then they talk about, you know, against sort of mindless rituals like Shabazari, Teti, Saviye. And then they do go a bit towards Biras, like Shastad Namara, to increase the knowledge and use of weapons. And Chiritra political stratagems, didactic tales and stuff. So there's some good things that they've written and the plight of, you know, drug use. And, you know, there's Zafarnama, Hikaita, uh, to Arangzeb. And then they mentioned the Estfotic Kabit, but that was removed from the standard, right? So they mentioned Abani in their discussion of Dasam Granth, which they've removed. And they talk about Shastravidya, uh, ironically, uh, when they talk about Estfotic Kabit Sreye. And then they talk a little bit about the history of Siri Dasam Granth that Jab Saab and Kalos Taturin and Anand Prasab, Bajitra Natak, Chandi Chiritar, Chandi Chiritar, Ukta Balas, Chandi Divar, Gyan Prabod, written at Anand Prasab. Jobi Avtar was written, completed at the Satutra River, Krishna Avtar, Ponda Saab, Yamana River. Uh, many parts of Krishna Avtar written there, and Chiritar Pakyan written. The Stutadra River, where the Gordwara Papur Sab is, and Zafar Nama, Adina, and the Hikaita, the Battle of Bangani. So, they do give some really important historical information there that we must uh, acknowledge. And then they go through like the Anandpuri Sarup, which had Hukam Name, Gurinder Singh Man of Santa Barbara. He gives some photos of this in the Journal of Punjab Studies. And, you know, it has like a court poet, uh, like not court poet, court scribe uh, writing in there and the guru signatures. And, um, yeah, the, and how they think that kind of that sroop was put together, the Mangalacharans, how the Bani begins. And then they, and it's funny that they call the Dasam Granth within this report, Siddhi Guru Granth Sab. Very interesting. Very interesting. So these points we need to write, really discuss. And, you know, they, they talk about the Nahang things, like I mentioned earlier before. And then they even talk about where different Bani was read. So obviously the Swaye Jab Sab, Jopi Sab for Amrit, the Sera Ramavtar, Navratriya, Chandi Chiritar at the Taks, Hola Mahalla, 
the Krishna avatar. And uh, yeah, they were even talking about that, this Bani being read at Darbar Sahib and Akal Tak Sahib. And so this tells us a lot about the praxis of the time. And then now we get to the actual excision of the Apocrypha, which was your question, but it's, it's important to set that backdrop. Just a quick, what a quick question before we go into that. And thank you for, for, for all this information because it really does help. But one question that I have, and I'm sure other people are thinking the same thing, which is if the Soda Committee turned up and standardized and therefore, for want of better words, legitimized the composition that they agreed on, why then was Dasam Granth not accepted within the Singh Sabha mainstream bond, so to speak, considering they had literally had a committee to agree on what is and what isn't within the composition? The answer to that is complicated and, sim and simple at the same time. So the simple answer is the Singh Sabha had the Lahore faction and the Amritsar faction. So the Lahore faction was under Atta Singh Badur. He was British loyalist, again, with the Patiala royals related to the Maharaja. And so they had their own Protestant interpretation. So Yutija Singh Pasoriyas and these types came out of this group. And your, you know, your anti-Arthi, Gani Ditsings and others were part of that group. And then the other group, which labeled themselves only because of the other group, they called themselves Sanatan to say, and they meant they're traditional. And that group readily accepted the Dasam Grant where the other group didn't. So that created the schism. And again, you know, it's divide and rule. Because as soon as you, as soon as you create this standard, you see. You bring it into public eye, you bring it into public discussion, and then obviously it's going to be schismatic, and that's the whole idea behind it. And isn't it interesting? Now, look, isn't it interesting? Any Barney that mentions Khalsa explicitly is removed. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Sarag, Surat, Asa that talks about Kakar, Kish, removed. Ugradanti, very Biras, removed and so on and so forth. So any Barney which is literally telling you, creating, giving us Guru Gobind Singh's words about his Khalsa are removed. So for me, by removing those Barnia, you take away the context of Sri Dasam Granth which is the Taram Yud that the Khalsa must take on that role of Taram Yud. So you must have the Khalsa mentioned there and that's the Bani that's excised. And they're the same Baniya that the Nirmali didn't like, who are not Shastartari, who are who who don't who are not armed. So you see there's a thread here, isn't there, of disarming, changing a worldview, changing the context of a scripture. Very clever how it was all done. Very clever. These Yeah. Well, I was just sorry, I was just gonna ask uh just off what you were saying. Um would it be fair then to say that without the Apocrypha Barney, it's there's automatically a, like a piece missing? There's automatically because it because from what we've been talking about, it almost sounds like Dustin Grant is a massive jigsaw puzzle, and all of these different manuscripts with some with different Barney, some with certain compositions that aren't in others, but by excising quite a substantial amount of them 
it's almost removed a key piece because from what like the impression that I get is is that there was a remodeling of the Sikh identity through obviously various means, but in this situation we're obviously talking about removing certain compositions which from what you've indicated relate directly to Nilabana or Shastar or Kis or certain things that those who were in the committee or part of the yeah. Lahore Singh Sabha, I think, um, w- would would be almost um, would be almost not scared of, but they're almost um, they're, they're they're concepts that they're not willing to obviously deal with. Exactly, and and, and exactly, and we can see this where in their own comments, Sagyani Sardul Singh, who, who wrote the report, he, he says in, in, uh, in one of his comments about which bits are excluded, that essentially the Devi Jida Chaka, or, you know, the Chakke of Nama Ugradanti Nanti Sveya, He's saying, well, that's a description of the, of the things themselves, but this is not from the Guru, and it's an Ardas. And it's not anywhere else in Dasam Granth, but this Bani is well known. And you find the same argument that he puts forward by Taras uh, Nirotam in Siri Gurmat Nirne Sagar, 1877, so from an earlier text. And obviously he was in Nirmala. And then you also have this same argument used by Khan Singh Nabba in Ham Hindu Nahi. So there's a connection there, and you can see his entry in Mahan Kosh as well, under Chaka for Ugradanti. So they excise this Bani where Khalsa is mentioned, saying, well, it's the Khalsa talking about itself. Well, there's no, there's no indication of that at all. And they use really meager kind of language like that hum, and Tum. And uh, hum, you know, like Hamri Kurohate Racha. And in in uh, Ugradanti, the word Tum is used. So they're saying the Guru couldn't have used Tum. So that's that's their logic. I mean, it's pathetic, really, to be honest. And even today, you have so-called heads of big Sikh institutions, and I, I don't want any vitriolic from anyone, but you even had... Uh, controversy about Ugradanti just lately, whether it is a Bani or not. So they haven't seen the manuscripts. It's in, man, it's in old manuscripts of Dasam Granthas. It's in breveries. It's in Das Granthis. Well, I was just going to say, I'm sure in some of the pre-colonial texts that like, um, I can't remember which one. I don't know if it's good. I don't think it's Gursoba. It might have been um, Saruk Das Bala's text. Yeah, that's it. And and it's mentioned. So I'm kind of like, even when I'm reading this stuff, I'm kind of like, well, if it's if it, if there is reference to it prior to you brethren's turning up, surely there's some type of historical evidence there to... Well, well exactly. Well, Guru Balas is dictated by Pai Mani Singh Shaheed. And so the same people who are saying that they're from a lineage of Pai Mani Singh are saying it's not Bani. Now, how does that work? Because Guru Balas was dictated by the famous Shaheed Singh Pai Mani Singh. So, you know, there's this, all these contradictions here. And for me, I'm going to go by manuscript evidence and what's there. And so the earliest version of, of Ugradanti that I saw was in the Patanasru, which is 
obviously a very early surup, which it fits into uh, the life of Guru Gobind Singh in terms of his summit, in terms of his Vikrami date. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, and then you've got Sukhmanar Saab, the same, Var, Malkonski as well. And they even write that, you know, there was a manuscript at Babatal Rai Saab, you know, which has, has these famous frescoes, which again have been whitewashed now. And there were soups there with these Barney Ayan. And then they say something which is contradictory. He says, this Barney was written by the 10th Guru to infuse honour and courage to fight against the invaders. But many bees were destroyed. And a caste bead, which was written with, which had handwritten pages of Guru Gobind Singh, is not available to us. And they're saying in the bead of the Buddha Dal of Pai Mani Singh, there were these extra Baniya. And they're saying these copies are rare. So then he contradicts exactly what he said earlier on. So he's saying there is historical evidence that Sarup from Guru Gobind Singh's time that were hand signed by Guru Gobind Singh with, with a dust cut, which in Persian means a signature page had those Baniya in, but because we don't have access to those surups, because we're using a tally system, we've had to remove those Baniya. And so it's, yeah, it's like you were saying in the last podcast, they're using a pickaxe to open a phone. It's the wrong, yeah. it's the wrong tools and they're, you're looking at it from the wrong worldview. Um, just out of curiosity, one question then, what recension do the Bodadol use and what recension are most people able to get their hands on then at the moment? So I'm assuming the standardized version is the version that like most Gurdwari will be using. Exactly. Even the Buddhadal now, they will rely more on printed sarups and they have the additional Bani that they recite in their daily liturgy for their individual nithanim. But if, if Buddhadal has the authentic authenticity that it claims, surely the sarups that they read Garbani from should include the Baniya that are important for the order of Buddha Dal and the Khalsa. Yeah, well, that, hence, hence the question. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit, my curiosity was getting the better of yeah, me. Yeah, so I mean, you know, when I was doing my research and I was on my field trips back in, I think it's 2002, 2003, 4, 5, and over these years, I kind of stayed about four years in Punjab. And I remember going to Haryan Villa, uh, Baba Nahal Singh's um, uh, Dal, you can say he's the head Jatadar of it. And I went to the Gordwara Shihidi Baga and the city of Anandpur Sahib, um, near Anandgar Kila. And then I did Darshan of the Sroop, and it was the Sodik Committee Sroop from 1897, Prakash there. And that made me interested. I looked through and I thought, well, where's Ugradanti? Where's his extra Baniya that Nahans really believe in? And you've got to look at something like Var Malkonski. Var, it's a Var, like Chandidi Var. And it's in Malkons. It's in one of the most beautiful rags. You know, so there's something, a big gem of Guru Gopinsi Bani. And it's very prophetic Bani. Harju Haramandar Avenge. You know, this divine being will come back to the Haramandar. You know, it's very prophetic. It's very apocalyptic. Uh, a lot of those Bani are very apocalyptic. They have this very dark edge about this kind of the world being destroyed and a new world forming after the destruction of an old world. So they're very prophetic with a lot of these lines about the Nila Kora, 
you know, with, with, you know, and then blood coming up to the mules like legs or the horse's legs. And we hear all this in Sikh prophecy and we've heard this from Sanks and Mahatma and they've got it from this Baniya that, that were, Guru Gobind Singh had recited in Biras. I was just going to say that I was like so much of what you've just said I've heard in snippets and a lot of this also turns up in so in this in Godly Sikh Prophecies book which is um, if you read it without the context it doesn't make like if you read it on its own it doesn't make sense but with the context that you're providing it it it, it will make more sense hundred percent and and this is what I'm trying to share in a in in a clear fashion like. For me, the the characters involved in the process are not important. What's important is the outcome, because that's what shaped the praxis and our approach and our rituals currently and our liturgy. And that liturgy has been changed to change our worldview. Of course, people who who don't want the Khalsa to see, they don't want us to read Ugradanti. It's full of biras. It's one of the most birasi bani, full of powers, full of fire. It just ignites the spirit in you. It's like you could be having a bad day and you read that bani and you feel you could take on the whole world. Of course, they don't want you to read that. Of course, it makes complete sense why they want to take it out. And the same thing is like, if you look at the debate about Ragmala, if you look at Guru Gransal's bani, the people against Ragmala make a valid point. They say the Ras of Ragmala doesn't fit in with Guru Granth Sahib. And they're right, because Guru Granth Sahib's Bani is very tundi, it's very shant, it's very empty, it's very sethal. And then Ragmala is like a party at the end of Guru Granth Sahib. But what they don't understand is that party at the end of Guru Granth Sahib or the fog or the pleasure or this enjoyment or this different Ras is to anchor that shanti within the world. And in the same way, a composition like Sasa Sukmana, which is pure Shanti, is there to anchor the Biras of Sri Dasam just as Shabd Hazare is in there and the Hakaita and at the end of Dasam Granth, that Shanti gives. It gives a Sital kind of Ras that anchors all that Biras. So people, people unfortunately, they haven't looked at Ras and Indian literature and poetry and the types of, uh, you know, Alankars and the type of shand and the type of kind of feelings that any poet, you know, Guru Gobind Singh, Kabi Obat, he calls himself the poet. He's so humble because he was in the symposium of poets. So he's using that Ras system of India. And therefore, in something which is so birasi, you must have that sital, you must have the shanti. So for me, all these extra baniya are very, very important that they that they that they're read and that one day hopefully somebody with guts and it ain't gonna be me, I just tell you that now, comes forward and makes that claim, look, we need to have a Dasam Grants with all the Baniya and they're gonna have to fight the whole system and all the sons and all the people ignorance out there and hopefully we'll have a Sroop that is based on on the edition from 1698 rather than the edition from 1696. Fair. I couldn't disagree with any of that. I think the only reason I asked about the people involved is because it helps to then figure out why certain decisions were made, as in like, so for argument's sake, you've highlighted some of their allegiances and uh, leanings, and I think it then makes more sense as to why a certain theme of Barney were removed, or, or a certain number of Barney, I guess, also, the fact they're using a tally system doesn't help, but um, 
They're in yeah, the, they, yeah. they were loyalists. They were using a, a new system that they thought would be beneficial and obviously not. And obviously they're using a new system. They couldn't see the, the kind of negative uh, aspects of that system. And like we said, they're loyalists. They're appointed by the British. It's managed by the British. And, you know, printing, obviously, where they're going to get the printing presses from. Just have to think about all of it and look at it in a, in a wider view, in a, in a, on a macro level rather than a microscopic level. And the other point is, who do they have from the Sampradare? Nobody. You know, th this should already have alarm bells. There's no head of the Buddha Dal there. There's no head of the Seva Bantis there. I mean, you know, they talk, I think they mentioned Baba Sham Singh and they mentioned some, but there's no head, there's no authority, there's no, they haven't said it, oh, the, all the Khalsas got together from all the Thaks or, you know, the whole Bant has got together to do this. There's none of that. They've just done this in Amrasar and they've based it on the sloops that are available to them within Amritsar South. And th that's all they've done. And I don't know, for some reason, they succeeded and this, the version that they created. And I haven't, obviously, it's Guru's Bani and I'm Matadeke, and I would bow my head to it. And I'm not saying it's evil or bad. I, I, I'm not saying that all. I'm just saying it's simply incomplete because of the method that they use. That's all I'm saying. And I know that will probably annoy people, but... I'm not a liar. I can only tell people what I found in my in my um, in my research, and it's also important to note here that you know where where it comes where we have these issues about um, about the what we can call apocrypha. Um, we we must look at this from a level of Sikh literature and theology. So you've already touched upon the fact that what we say is apocryphal or extra to Dasam Granth, which obviously isn't the true truth in the case of manuscripts, is present within manuscripts because apocryphal would be, mean that it's not even present really in manuscripts, but it is. So when I say apocrypha, I say inverted commas. And so this extra Bani isn't really extra because it's mentioned in Sikh history throughout the 18th century, it's in manuscripts in the 17th century, it's in smaller Pultia, it's in larger Pultia, it's mentioned by scholars, which we've, we've discussed. So really, there isn't a debate, but the debate has been created about them about by this tallying system. And actually that debate, where I want to take it to is, where does this debate begin? And it begins with Tara Singh Narotam, whose guru was killed by uh, Baba Pralada Singh, head of Buddhadal, who killed the Nirmala Mahant, who had forcibly taken control of uh, such kind of Hazul Saab. At Hazul Saab, they're both Shaheed there. They did a, they did a, a, a kind of a Sanjavar where they both killed each other pretty much in the same blow. One died a few hours after the other, but they both died, uh, both Shaheed, and both commemorated there. And because his guru, his Vidya guru, was slain by the head of the Buddhadal, obviously he had his reasons why he was against all of this, including the Ugradanti, because it has that fiery spirit, which is rebellious and out of control. And that's how the Nahangs are mentioned by the, by the British all the way 
through history is like these guys, they don't care. They're just not afraid of anything. They don't care about Maharaja and Jeet Singh. They attack him. They attack whoever they feel like, whenever they feel like. If they feel that they have a reason, they're rebellious. Uh, they march all over pretty much northern in North India, wherever they want to go. We have to control them. And you can see that spirit is in the Baniya that they want to remove. And to support his arguments, uh, the Niramala scholar and Rotham, he uses uh, kind of gr- grammar. And this and the word, the main thing is about, he says the guru never used the word um, tuman. He uses hamne or haman or hamri. And so then this couldn't be written by the guru. <laughs> and you, to base it on one word again is silly. And he also he also brings up Shia Islamic prophecies. He's saying that these compositions are based on because in in Sukhmana you also have a bit about Islam comes in Varmarkons. You have this kind of like Ismaili Medhi prophecy type thing. But he says this, so it can't be written by the Guru. But then is he saying Nick Lank of Tarizan Bani? Because at the end of there, Mir Middi is killed. Sorry, Nick Lank is killed by Mir Middi and Mir Middi dies by insect crawling into his ear. So is he saying that isn't Bani? So he the kind of the the his kind of argument is really about what we classify as Kuriburli and Tadpav Sanskrit. So Tadpav is the classical form, and because he was a classicist. He found it distasteful, but Chandi Divar is 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 Kariburli, as in his Punjabi is rustic uh, everyday speech in a village. Is if you look at Sarblo Granth, is also not the, the part of Sanskrit like the Sanskrit Sanskritized uh, bridge Pasha of Dasam Granth. It's a completely different dialect. And if he'd actually known about poetry in India, which he probably didn't bother to look because he's a classicist and poetry is considered lower, he would have known that if you were an accomplished poet, you would write in everyday language you were, and you would write in the Sanskritized bridge Pasha uh, to be an accomplished poet in, a, in, a, in the Symposium of Poets. So, you know, he, you can, you know, cla- you know, being, we all know geeks and people who are obsessed by a certain type of knowledge, but they can't see a bigger picture. That's Narotan, basically. But you have to give him credit, Gurdjieff Sangre. You know he mentions Hemkund Saab. He mentions like a lot of the relics of the gurus. He created big lexicons of Gurmukhi. He was a great Mahapur kind of great scholar, but he hated the Nahangs. That's the bottom line. So I'm not against him. I'm just trying to give light about what happened in Patiala. And you know he was Gyani Gyan Singh's guru, and Gyani Gyan Singh mentions that Ugradanti is Maharaj's bani. In Pant Prakash. So he goes against his own Gurudev. So, you know, Narotam wasn't accepted. And when I, you know, for my field work, I had to go to a lot of places. I'm saying, I'm not saying to people or you or listeners, hey, I know everything. I know sweet FA. I'm just telling you whatever I found out to share with the Sangha and share it with people who are in- interested. But I did go to Kankal where Hardwar, where the Nirmale are based, their biggest headquarters. What Tara Singh Narutam wrote, and he's the one who gave me a lot of the works of Tara Singh Narutam Pandit. He said, 
they're not accepted. Every word is not accepted by the Nirmali. We accept Sarvlo Granti's Guru Gobind Singh's work. We accept Ugardanti's Guru Gobind Singh's work. He wrote these things in our name, but it doesn't mean we accept it as a Sampradha. So Gyanmi Gyan Singh didn't accept his position either. And I valued uh, Mithra Prakash Singh, uh, sadly, isn't with us anymore. But I, I valued um, his position for the Nirmala Panchayatakara and how they stood for the, the, the Bani of Guru Gobind Singh. So there's a lot of things in colonialism that crept in. And again, what through the printing press. So you have to say, who were, who were the patrons of Pandit Tara Sindhrotam? They were... The, it was the kings of Patiala who were British loyalists. He had his own re- reason to be against the Nangs. And I'm not sure if in the last podcast, but I, I, I might mention it, but the Maharaja Patiala tried to create the Niramala Buddha Dal. So that the, they tried to get the Niramala to fight against the Nangs to, to make a merger between both Sampradha where the Niramala idea would be the higher order of the Nahangs. So reverse it on his head, where before the Nirmali would come to the Nahangs to get their, their Nishan Sabs and their, their Nagari, their battle drum and their battle standard to be blessed, to get the permission to do their Seva. And you can see in a way the Singh Sabha is later on a way of amalgamating different worldviews and the secret is a way that they finally succeed again another committee to tally and now we've got the Sharomani Gwadwara Prabandak committee interesting very interesting and as always thank you for sharing the context because it definitely does help um, I think the point you raised about the term apocrypha is probably the most important thing that I think you've mentioned, and I think it's probably worse than actually changing the term and actually saying the compositions that were almost excommunicated, because in an essence, that's what this committee did. They decided this is no longer technically part of what the bonds should be doing, and it's a sad state of affairs. Because I think calling it apocrypha, Barney, as you said, paints the false image because they're not apocrypha, as in it doesn't, that doesn't, match the definition of that term um of course not because look let, let i've got to state the obvious for people listening to this who didn't listen to the first podcast you have a sroop at siri patanasab and copies of it from around the same period from 1698 which one sroop has got guru gobind singh signature pages in it with these vadubaniya in it and we know of other sarups, like Baba Deep Singh Sarup had Ugra Danti in it, which is mentioned by Piara Singh Paddam, who was a great scholar of Sri Dasam Granth Sahib in Dasam Granth Darshan. So you have a lot of books where these other, where scholars of, of Dasam Granth, like Randee Singh, research scholar for the SGPC, and other scollars like Dr. Talochan Singh have mentioned these extra baniya in important historical sarups. So if, if these extra baniya are in, are in extant, Sarups, then, like you said, we can't say they're apocryphal. And some of those sarups even exist now. And the ones that we've lost, like in 1984 and other periods, we've got the details, lists of what Barnia luckily were in those sarups. So we've got a historical record of what was in those sarups. And I think now, Amr, if, Amr Singh, if you don't mind, that 
it's important to mention what Barnia were removed. Yeah, sure. And so you got Ugradanti Saab, Sansahar Sukhuna Saab, Var Pagoti Juki, Var Malkonski, Indra Kavach, Asa and Surat. You got Pagoti Astotar. You got Maj, which is like Lucky Jungle Khalsa Shabad, which is really famous. And there's Fort Kabitsvaye. And on that, you got like sometimes the Nishani Sikhi, Panch Harav Kaf, about the Panch Kakar. And if you think about that, the Kaita written in Persian, Zafar Nama is written in Persian, and in this Rup in Sangrur that a lot of scholars saw on an extra folio, you had this Persian um, composition about the Panch Kakar. And that's always sung in Amrath from Amrath Geetan about the Panch Kakar. And that Shabad is only in the version of Dasam Granth Sahib by Pandit uh, Naren Singh, another Nirmala. So why is he included in there? Because you see, it's a Khalsa worldview of Panja Kakar. And so you can't, we can't just brush these things aside. And then there's other kind of uh, issues like, um, for instance, the Patana Sahib's group has Gobind Gita. So it has the, the Bhagavad Gita, exegesis by Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. Now people say, well, that should be in Dasam Granth. No, it shouldn't be in Dasam Granth, and I'll explain why it shouldn't be. Then people also talk about Hanuman Natak as well. And I have, a, I have this, these questions actually up three or four times a year. People will message me, email me about Siddhi Dasam Granth Sahib. And they'll say, well, why isn't Hanuman Natak in there? Uh, why isn't Gobind Gita? And then I have to explain, and it's worth me explaining here. Uh, why that is because when Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj had his symposium of the poets, uh, Sufi literature, Puranic literature, Vedic literature, Ayurvedic literature, palmistry, medicine, even sec- a lot of sexual texts like the Kork Shastra, Kama Sutra, all of these texts were written into Gurmukhi and for Vidya, for the benefit of the Sangat. And you're talking on like every type of subject, like horse medicine, from like, you know, diseases, farming, everything you can imagine was written on. And, you know, this huge grant called Vidya Sagar was written. And that actually still exists. People don't realize it still exists. And there are actually two copies of it, according to my research. And both of them were signed by Guru Gobind Singh. And because Guru Gobind Singh went through each page to read. And that's what separated Guru Gobind Singh's Bani from Vidya Sagar was because his Dasam Granth is his Bani in that symposium of poets. It was kept separate because obviously it's the Guru's work. And what's really interesting is Gobind Gita features in the Mahaparat translation by the Kavis that the Guru had asked him to do to translate the Mahaparat into Bridge Pasha in Gurumukhi. And then the Kavis turned to Guru Gobind Singh and said, you know, this conversation between Krishna and Arjun, we're not worthy to translate this. Pachap, can you please translate it? And you find Gobind Gita by Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj in that place. Then obviously what's happened is when these manuscripts were put together, there's this idea of authorship. So like Sek knew who'd read all this, material that actually yeah, Guru Gobind Singh has offered this, this should be in Dasam Granth. But you see, Guru Gobind Singh hadn't included that as a part of his own work. He'd included that chapter as the work of the Kavis. So it shouldn't be in Dasam Granth. 
and also Hanuman Natak it's worth going into the story about this but Bhai Gurdas Palla who wrote the Vara and Kabitsaviye remember the Kabitsaviye are pretty much in the same language as Dasam Granthsahib and you know there's so many famous shabads from the Kabitsaviye and it's hardly read compared to the Vara which are in Punjabi and the Kabita like in Hindi the bridge bhasha the classical bridge bhasha and people don't read those they don't connect to them and so we need to connect to that bani of, of the kabitsaviye by gardas and his ancestor was hirdaram palla and he was a court poet of jahangir and there was some something happened in the court some intrigue and jahangir imprisoned him in a cell of mirrors where he went blind but he was a big bhagat and he used to do bhagati of hanuman and hanuman they say appeared and gave him some palm leaves and somehow or another he had, had memorized a really old text about hanuman and so he wrote the hanuman natak on these leaves and some kavi or somebody had a lot of tars and they took these leaves to some mantri in in the court of uh, Jahangir and they said wow this is arouses so much biras it's got so much passion in it it's got it makes like a, somebody who's got no courage have courage and the hanuman article is mentioned in the sodak committee report that one singer done thousands of part and it says part of it no one reads the hanuman article now when i went to baba santa singh with ram singh who's no longer a singer anymore he might be might not be but used to be a markal baba santa singh always used to say to us if you want to understand siri dasam grand sahib you have to understand hanuman natak and why is that is baba santa singh a sanatanist and he just saying it cuz he's a proper hindu with a tilak on his forehead cuz he's a brahman i'm taking the mickey of course not because because guru gobind singh references hanuman natak himself in his own work he says if you want to know more about this story of ram avatar go and read the natak eg hanuman natak how can you not listen to the words of guru gobind singh and you know even khan singh nabba prizes the this this story of hanuman natak is one of the, he he did a, his own exegesis for the maharaja patiala's son of this work is considered so important and when where, what happened was that this the original sanskrit of this the king of forge uh, hanuman had written this into stone according to the mythology and he he'd carved it with his nails into stone to talk about the story of what happened in the ramayan from his eyes and then he thought no no one should my my word shouldn't be higher than ram's so he pushed all the rocks he'd carved it on into the sea and this maharaja heard about this So he sent divers into that ocean and they got they made wax impressions of it then this sanskrit text is what hidaram palla had memorized and that was what was written into bridge and it was by nandlal who gave that work to sri guru gobind singh maharaj and guru gobind singh maharaj what did he say he said even a coward who reads this will become brave and that's why it is not read today and we become a pant of forcer who are bloody shit scared of even a mucky landing on our nose and that's why we've lost all our traditions i i even said to somebody who's really famous in the pant nahang singya sharamali galya i said when are you going to do um hanuman natak prachari cuz too controversial i can't do it 
This is a fully full fledged famous Gyanni with Maya coming out of his ear holes, who is an Ahang Singh. He's got one of the biggest followings. And he said, I can't talk about Anuman Natak, it's too controversial. Then what do you talk about? If Guru Gobind Singh, Khan Singh Nabba, who's a Singh Sabha scholar, says Guru Gobind Singh kept the poti of Hanuman Natak in his Kamarkasa, he prized that book that much. He prized, Guru Maharaj prized that book so much. We should be ashamed of ourselves because we've lost our literature and we've become so feeble. And you know what? In just in the way that those Vadu Bani, well, not, you know, you know, I say Vadu Bani, I need to be careful. Just as those powerful Bani were excised out of Dasam Granth Sahib, loads of other things have been excised outside, out of the Sikh tradition. And we should be ashamed of ourselves. And we need to bring this part. I'll be the happiest Bandai ever, like people doing Brahm Kavach now. I remember years ago when we started this and people told us not to do it. Now it's everywhere. I'm really, really happy. And the part of all these other Bani, I'm really happy. I'll be the happiest Bandai in a few years. I look on the internet and I see people doing the part of Hanuman Atak and doing the exegesis from it and bringing it out. Because I want our Bans to be brave. Because we're not going to get anywhere in the world being weak. And if Guru Gobind Singh prized that this book so highly that Dasam Granth's meters and measures in terms of his poetry have, have literally got the same essence of it, have got the same structures of verse and poet, uh, poetic style as it, then you know what? I have to bow to that Bhutti as well. And I hope that people start reading it and people can call me a Sanatanist and they say, oh, he's going to start talking about Hanuman giving the Kashera next. Well, that's what the tradition states, the, Hanum, the Sidi Hanuman Saab, who, who's not a joke, who's one of the most loyal Bhagats ever, that even in Guru Granth Saab, he's praised. His Bhagati to Ram is praised. His loyalty is praised. To his, his Murshid, to his Guru, he, if in our tradition, they say he gave the Kashera, what, why is that a big deal? It shows that Guru Gobind Singh was so high that even Hanuman had to come and give a gift for Khalsa. It doesn't make us less, it makes us more. And that's what I think, you know, we, what we've done with Sikhi is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Anything that's remotely related to India, Islam, anything like that, throw out the bathwater. What are we going to, we're going to stop doing parts because we've got words Onkar, Satanam. Satanam comes from Kabir Panthis, Onkar comes from Rigved. We're going to stop doing part because we're afraid of Hinduism. We've gone absolutely mental. We've actually ruined our punt and we've made it into McDonald's bite-sized information snippets for dibby, idiotic, lazy people. You should never do that with scholarism. Keep it at the highest level and it will filter down. Never change your history to suit the idiotic. Otherwise, in the end, you become an idiot yourself. No, fair. So just to clarify on those two then, Gobind Gita and Hanuman Natak aren't from the pen of Guru Gobind Singh Ji. Hanuman Natak is not from the pen of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, but he gave it his approval to be read as, as a liturgical text. Gobind Gita is definitely from the pen of Guru Gobind Singh, but it's a, but it's a chapter within the works of the Mahaparat of the Kavis. Oh, okay. So actually, the Gobind Gita is part of a larger text, which itself isn't written by like Guru Gobind Singh Ji. So Gobind Gita is, but the rest of it isn't. Okay, I see what you mean. All right, fair. That's right. That's right. So, 
So it doesn't it doesn't have a context to be in Dasam Gransa. Yes, and actually taking it out on its own is removing it from the wider text it was actually part of as well then. Exactly. And look at what look at what the Bhagavad Gita is. It's not about Viras per se. It's about what is Yog, what is what is the truth, what is Bhagdi. So it's you know, the in the last podcast we talked about the major theme of Dasangrand is righteous war, Taramyud, to fight for what is noble and the tactics of that, what that involves, the the Rudras, the fear, the fear of the battlefield, the bloody dread of the battlefield. To imagine that before you get there is a good training. So that's what Dasam Grant is, is you know, um Odanak, you see, who was this Trump? Trump said, you know, Dasam Grant is very bloody, and that's really derogatory language. But if we take away the derogatory language, what he means is, is there's a lot of blood and guts in there, and it's true. You know, look at look at the look at the the part in Jandi Chiritar Sacharang, you know, the witches are drinking out skulls on the on the battlefield, drinking blood out of the skulls of the dead fallen warriors. So there is all this Bani which is really fearful and stuff. So then you see the Gorbin Gita contextually doesn't really fit in with Dasam Grant. And then somebody will say, Well, Shabad Azare doesn't. But what I've mentioned is that's there to cool down and give you a break in all that Biras. It's positioned there to give a break to the reader of that thing. And then in a way, you, you know, it's like, you know, like when you have a movie and you're watching a movie and there's a scene that's completely unrelated and it focuses on some kid smiling or some random object somewhere and you get a little break and then it goes back to the main narrative. It's a clever form of the writer to take your attention away from that story. And also, like if you look at something like the Mahabharat, you have a story within a story within a story. The narrator does that and then comes back to the main story. Guru Gobind Singh was a master of literature. He also did the same. So, of course, you're going to have Girtan in Shabad Azari. Of course, you're going to have different compositions to take you out of the main narrative temporarily. But Gobind Gita is a very large work. So to have that, you can, it's like almost turning, on, turning over to a completely different film. It doesn't fit in. And so that, that, that's how I see it. And that's only in one manuscript, uh, which is a Patanasab. And that has Ugradanti and other Baniya. And so other people will say, well, because then what about Ugradanti? But, you know, we've explained that. It's a smaller Bani. It's in Biras. You know, Namo Ugradanti and Anti Savaya is talking about the fearsome teeth, the, the Shastar of God is talking about as the primal Shastar. So it fits in with something like Shastar Namala. It fits in with something like Chandi Divar. It fits in with other Baniya within Dasam Granth and that same Biras, that same kind of like apocalyptic idea of destruction and renewal, uh, which is obviously yeah. probably important ethos for any warrior to have the they're not just fighting to kill, they're fighting to renew. It's a more powerful idea, isn't it? If I'm saying you're fighting just to murder and fighting to kill, to be a barbarian, it's not going to really rouse any sane person to want to fight. But if I give you the idea, you're fighting to renew. You're fighting to build. You're going to be shaheed to put a foundation for something more noble. Isn't that more inspiring? And, and, and that's what people miss in Dasam Granth Sahib. And that's because people don't have the tools. They don't want to study. 
like Rupert Snell's book on Bridge Parsha, which is readily available. They don't want to study Chris Shackle's book on, on Gurmukhi. You can find all these. You can buy them. And so you have to look at the language. We're divorced from the language. And I know myself, like in my Oxford book with Grinder, we translated the Apocrypha for the first time and put it all out there. And we included the original Gurmukhi in terms of transliteration using the ISO, the what we call Romanized version. And we did that so people can connect to the Gurmukhi, to the Ras, to the spirit of that Bani. We didn't make the translation so we can all be lazy and sit on our asses and not understand anything. And I'm not saying that, oh, well, I'm really great and I understand it. So, you know, look, there's so many Nahang things in India and it was my supervisor, Dr. David Cheatham. He really put me in my place a lot of times. And he said, you know a lot about this subject. He goes, but you imagine a Nahang Singh who's lived in Nadal for 30 years and he's ritually read Dasam Granth cover to cover for like a thousand times or 2000 times. He goes, you can't compare. And that made me realize the level of Vidya that the average Nahang Singh who lives that life has compared to me. Because I'm going to go through it once, twice, 10 times, 15 times. You imagine a Singh or Mahapurush who's been through it thousands of times. And so <clears throat> the Dasam Granth is giving us a certain spirit, Biras. And Biras is not opposed to Nam. Yeah? It's not opposed to Nam. And this is what's different. Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, when he finalized the Khalsa Panth, he did not want to create a passive religion. He didn't want to create a violent religion, which is based on Hinsa. He created a non-violent religion that was armed and had a warrior ethos. It's a very clever idea, San Sapahi. Somebody who doesn't want to harm anyone, but will always defend. And somebody who's in the spirit of being tiar, bratiar, always in readiness. And that's why these Baniya were removed because they did not want us to be in a spirit of readiness. Oh, definitely. So <clears throat> you touched upon some of the other Baniya that that were removed by the Soda Committee. And there were a few that I just wanted to ask you about. So obviously you mentioned Ugurdanti. So um, that I'd like obviously you to explain a little bit more about that. You also mentioned Sansar Sukhumra, which would be interesting to hear more about. And then also Indra Kavaj, because I've never actually heard of that one before. Yeah, because, you know, the, like the Indra Kavaj, again, is just in one, one or two sarups that I've seen. Uh, I saw it. It's in uh, the Patana Sarup mentioned in the contents page. And then it was in a very old... Uh, anthology. Um, and when I mean very old, I mean like 17, 18 or something like that. I can't remember the date exactly, but, you know, very early on in Sikh history of the newly formed Bant. So it would be important. And, and in there, it, that's a kind of a mantra of healing. So when Indra was cursed by Gautam Rishi in the Saki of this is in Guru Granth Sahib, he was cursed to be covered in vaginas. And I think his sack is also in the Tiritopakyam. And it was the Indra covers that removed the curse of having those vaginas all over his body. So it means like to remove like negative energy from the body to allow health. You know, you're, we're talking about this idea that sound and vibration heals. And not only sound and vibration heals, sound and vibration can motivate a person 
to war to, that can rouse somebody to the level where they're motivated to war. And, you know, that's that's a big thing. So, you know, when we look at the, the Apocrypha, so we mentioned Lucky Jungle Khalsa, that sang in Geet, and that's been removed. So that's where in Rag Maj, you know, the, of, of, of Maja. And that is when Guru Gobind Singh goes and sees the Khalsa and the Guru Gobind Singh meet again after all these battles. So again, Khalsa worldview. Look at the name, Lucky Jungle Khalsa. So again, something related to the Khalsa, removed. We talked about Nishani Sikhi, um, about the Banja Halafgaf, that's removed. Then we've got uh, Var Malkonski, prophetic, removed. We've got Sidi Pogotti's thought that it talks about Shahidi in there, removed. Ogaradanti talking about Khalsa, Blue Pesa, uh, positioning our worldview in between that of the, the Indian or Hindu worldview and Islamic worldview as a third path. Removed. Sansar Sukhman are doing kind of the same. Removed. Rag Asar Rag Sur removed, doing the same. As Kabit that does the same. Removed. Does that make sense? There's a common theme there, and I think that we should look at look at um, some of these uh, compositions in 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 a bit more detail. Like particularly if we look at Chandi Chiritar Uktvalas, Chandi Chiritar, Chandi Divar. And then the removed uh, apocryphal uh, composition, Var Siri Pagotti Yiki Pashai Dasmi. And again, it is very apocalyptic and it talks about, you know, Karasutta Singh Jagaya. So, you know, the sleeping lion has been awakened. So, Singh is mentioned in there. Then it talks about the Pagotti. Then it talks about, you know, the slaying of corpses and bodies on the battlefield and cannons and blood and guts and Tarambaraj is shaking about it and this conflict in the world is being is being uh, uh, kind of uh, overcome and Guru Gobind Singh's name is mentioned in there Fateh Jang Gobind Singh so it's removed so we've got Guru Gobind Singh talking about himself in first person being removed and some scholars who I spoke to they said this composition was said to a Brahman and it was it was a Brahman who tried to flee from this sacrificial fire at Nena Devi so there's that whole you know Durga you know episode yes it is probably related to that so you know and then we go into Varmal Konski Pashai Dasmi and I've already repeated the uh, that this idea of Harji Harmandar Avenge is is the line that's repeated. And this bit about the blue horse, Jamanila Kora, Nila Jora, Pakar Khanda, Kufar Hai Tora. So this line, you know, about this 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 blue horse and the this uh, you know annihilating the false and, and, and so on. This again comes and and people have also said that Guru Guru Gobind Singh never wrote in Guru Nanak's name. But in here, we have Nanak, Uha Namti Aya, Nanak Joprapa Avenge, Harji Harmandar Avenge. So you have this composition that's removed, which is highly prophetic, highly, highly biras, and it was said that it was chanted before battle. So this is what I, I've heard about it in the Buddha, that this was chanted in Varmal Gons before battle. And that's something that's disappeared. I also heard from Baba Noob Singh from Gravesend, Markal, from Baba Saab Singh uh, Kalatari's time, who was the last Akali 
Nahang Singh uh, Jathadar of the Kal Sabda, uh, he remembered Gobind Gita part being done in the Dal. So I went through all this with Baba Anup Singh, and he remembered all these Baniya. Um, so it was important for me in terms of praxis, and you probably know he was like over a hundred and something when he died. He was ancient, you know. He's famous all over England as the oldest Mahagal Nahang Singh. So I was lucky. I went to see him and 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 interview him and ask him about these things. So, you know, that was really important for me. And then, you know, we've got Pagotti Astotar that features in Krishna Avtar as Siri Sahib Gikyustad. So, you know, we say in, in, in about the Siri Sahib in the Ardas, don't we? Uh, in, the, in the modern Ardas. And here, Siri Sahib Gikyustad. So this is where Guru Gobind Singh is explicitly call, calling the Pagotti what we call it, Siri Sahib. That's what we say, Siri Sahib, don't we? You hear anyone, they say Siri Saab. Even the Hans call it Siri Saab to the Pagoti, to the Karpad. So Guru Gobind Singh is calling it Siri Saab himself. Siri Sahib Jiki Ustad, the Pagoti is daughter. And in, in the Pagoti is daughter, the line which always, always kind of um, makes me kind of uh, understand what, what it kind of is alluding to is about how if you die, uh, what you get? What is the outcome of dying, Shahidi? Jabe me ante bir toko sharke parle karke sind bakke karke. Basically, when the warriors get mar- martyred in the battlefield, then they go to Swarg, they go to the heaven with jubilation. That's the Shahidi. And, and Maharaj again alludes to the same again. So they go to the pure lands when they get Shaheed, which is a kind of a Buddhist idea about the pure lands. But it, what it means there is that uh, in Surya Prakash, Bhakavi Sintoksing, what it means is that they overcome Maya to the level that they have that physical power to even manifest that will. So this is alluded to in here. And then it says, look at this. Can't, you, can't we see why this is removed? Those people who wield the weapon of Bhagotti, they win the kingdoms and heavenly worlds. Of course, they don't want anyone to um, repeat this. And again, we have Guru Gobind Singh's name. Guru Shah Gobind Ki Rak Ki at the end of the Bani. And, you know, Pagotti is daughter. I don't really need to go over because we mentioned about the car, you know, Sakal Jagata Mo Khalsa Pant Gadje, Jage Tarm Hinduk Turk Dandapadje. I mean, it's all self explanatory. I don't even need to explain it. It's very clear what's in here about the Khalsa and about the position of the Khalsa in between the Hindu and the Islamic world. And then, how does the, the Ugardanti finish? Again, we have Guru Gobind Singh's name. And that is that is the signature of these pieces. They say Guru Gobind Singh couldn't sign with his own name. And it Siri Gobind Singh Virachte Siri Pagavati Shan Kastamang Samapatang Sat Sabang Sat. So they they say Guru Gobind Singh couldn't have written his own name there. Why couldn't Guru Gobind Singh sign his own name? What what was the problem? So they make all these kind of ideas and they say, well, it can't be because of this. Well, who said that? Who said it? And then 
Sasukumana is more about bhakti. It's, it's like a tandi bani. But you get the same kind of things about what kaljug is, what sach is, what jut is, and about your loyalty to the guru, about prem bhakti is very tandi, it's complementary. And, you know, about Vaheguru Mantra. Uh, and, you know, it's one of the Baniya where Vaheguru is talking about how to do Vaheguru Simran. How we do Vaheguru Simran now is mentioned in that Bani about using the breath, what each syllable of Vaheguru means. I mean, come on, surely it must be important that we read it. And again, talking about what Hindu is, about what Muslim is, and about what the power of Hari is. Harki Karni, just like, you know, you've got the bodies in Sukhunisa, very complementary, talking about what a Sekh is, talking about what conflict is, what is in Kaljug to repeat the name of, of Har. But again, it's got sections in it that are Birasi, again, complementary. Again, the same kind of... Um, Again, the kind of uh, the light motives we've talked about uh, previously in other compositions. And so, you know, then then I think the real one, eye-openers for me were like Rag, Asan, Rag, Surat, where you have about the Ban Singhs, the five warriors, the saintly brothers who wear their kamarkasse, who give their heads to the Guru because it's time to give the head because there is a battle on the earth against the demons. I mean, this is all really self-explanatory. The command to keep Gish so that you glisten like the sword. My name is the guru adorned with the hair. I will call my army. Hamaro naam guru ke stari ham apni sen balaihire. And talking again about the tayo kamrakis kase. Nanak gobind ek kar dekho. So the third path again, talking about what Ekongar is, and then talking about what it is to be a warrior, what it is like to be a Rajput, a Kshatri. And then you know how we have in the in the Kalsa Panth about the horses, doing the horses seva. What is the last line in in this composition of Rag Surat Pashai Dasmi? Kore Das Gobind Singh Ki Pagati. Dadani Pong, the horses of the slave Gobind Singh is devoted charity. I mean, these, these are these are really clear lines. And then you got the Asphotic Kabit Saviye. I mean, why there's so many old sroops that the that the Sordic committee use, which has which has the Asphotic Kabit the Kabit Saviye in them. And they've removed it. It just makes no sense. And why? Because of its relation to Shastra Vidya. So I think, you know, I think that's a good overview. And I think it opens more cans of worms than it answers. But that's my position on all of it. And people might look at it and say, well, you just blindly believe in all of it. You've not looked at it critically. Now I've looked at it and assessed it critically from the beginning to the end. I didn't just believe in it because, oh, I decided to become a Nahang Singh. And then it was, oh, the Nahangs believe in it, so I believe in it. No, I had a proper... Uh, me- methodology looking at the stemma, lamata, transmission of manuscripts, how these different versions came in chronologically, what the themes were of these different bani are, why they're excised, what the reason was, how 
you know, the, the fact that the light motive in, in them is Biras, uh, warfare, sacrifice, Shahidi, Khalsa. So it's not, uh, it's not a simplistic view at all. It's a very refined view. And people who have read through Sikh history and um, have read through Dasam Granth Sahib and Guru Granth Sahib, Sarablu Granth, Rehataname, and other Sikh literature, they'll understand my position really well. Thank you. As, sorry, even with the last one, um, the response has been phenomenal. And I think the thing is, is that there's a lot of want to know what happened is happening and, and the consequences of that. But it's also getting the information from the people who have done the work. Um, and obviously, I'm very fortunate to know yourself and, and like known you for, for some time, which obviously helps as well in, in kind of having these conversations. And I think in a nutshell, that's really helpful because even for myself, a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about is new to me. And now I'm going to go away and, and dig out books and dig out and stuff and actually get into them and read them and try and figure out a little bit more so that I can quiz you some more. Um, but interesting, nonetheless, I think the even just the context and the clarification about Gobind Gita and Hanuman Natak is really interesting for me because I've heard about them since I don't know, for quite a while, but then to know actually what their context is, how they fit in, um, and the rest of it is definitely, definitely useful. Uh, Amazon, can I, can I just um, butt in? I just, I just want to say, I want to say something on not a scholaristic level, but something on my mind on a practical level. So obviously we've got metaphysical understanding and we've got scholaristic understanding of literature and Mariada and stuff like that. And that's all fine and dandy. But my message to anybody listening to this from myself, Five Rings, I believe is called, from Japan. It talks about what a warrior is, what a samurai is. It's somebody who lives in nature. Because when you live in nature, your senses become heightened. How the hell are you going to fight a battle if you're in, in front of PlayStation playing games? How the hell are you going to pick up a sword and even have the reflex action to defend yourself if you don't train with a sword so for me ultimately we you know yeah yeah mara says in in, in chopai saab and the line slips my mind if you actually want to do the puja of the sword of this of the lord of the sword banner of the city saab then you must do its practices use every day so for me Dasam Granth and his whole Bani is actually saying to us, make a connection with weapons. I mean, like Shastra Naamala, Askirpan, Kando, Karak, Tupukta, Bharatir. Sefsarui said, Yehe Hamare Peer. That's why we place Shastra in front of Guru Granth Sahib in the Prakash. It's, it's symbolic, but it's also telling us these are, these are our Peer. And if you pick up a Shastra in your hands and you move it around, they reveal to you their usage just by the momentum that they make. When you pick up a bow and an arrow, you don't have to be Albert Einstein to figure out how it works. They teach you themselves to a certain level. And yeah, having an astad helps. Having a teacher in the, in the art of weaponry helps. And so the thing for me, what I'd say to people is, yeah, if you do Dasam Granta Bhat, that's all really, really nice. And that's really beautiful. And it's going to really rouse your morale and your spirit and give you bravado and chardikala and heightened optimism and everything like that. But yeah. If you're not picking up a weapon at the end of that, then you're just abundant. 
Touche. And I think on that note, that's probably a good place to end it. Um, <laughs> no, but as as always, no. Thank you for uh, thank you for for your time. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for obviously sharing the information that you've got. I I think you're right that this has opened up more questions than answers. But that's what I like about this because then hopefully people listening to it will be naturally inclined to go and do some of their own research and just off the feedback of the last podcast we did um i'm pretty sure it will be very similar with this one so no thank you once again no no thanks a lot thanks for giving me the opportunity to share my research and um yeah i'm i'm happy to happy to share and then yeah thanks for giving me a voice